So if you've been around a while, you know uh, that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. Um, because whoever comes up with an idea where you're going to spend time with your family, eat a lot of food, and watch the Dallas Cowboys play at 4.30 in the afternoon, they had me in mind. All right? That was a great idea, and uh, I think we should do it every month. That's just my opinion. Uh, but it's really a lot more fun when the Cowboys are 8-1. and one. All right? Sorry, Jags fans, but I'm having fun, and I'm enjoying the ride while we got it. All right? Um, but I know that when we come, and, and it's hard to believe Thanksgiving is here, but I know when we come to this time of year, for some people, it's so easy to be thankful. Because God's been so good. You've had so many wonderful things happen. It's been an awesome year. And, uh, and you come to Thanksgiving, it's like, yeah, I'm really thankful. For others, it's like, man, I, I just don't have a lot to be thankful about this year. It's been a tough year. And it seems like at every turn it's been difficult. It's been heartache after heartache and disappointment after disappointment. And, and Thanksgiving is, is really a struggle. And I think that's true for, for so many people. I know um, a week ago Saturday when we had the feeding, and, and thank you so much to everyone who volunteered. We fed so many people, uh, but we had to turn people away because there were so many people desperate for food. And, uh, and, and we turned away 40 families uh, just because we ran out of food. Um, but I, we go through that experience and I watch the line and I, I see them and, and, and I see people and, and I'm, I'm reminded every time how good God's been. You know, um, I've never had to wait in line for food. I've been close, but never have. And so, uh, just there's so much to be thankful about, and, and God has been so good, and and just keeps giving. And sometimes I think we just we overlook that. Well, Joel has already read the the 100th Psalm, and that's where we're going to camp out today. So I want to ask you to turn with me there, um, and it's on page 597 if you're using the Pew Bible. And I need to give you a little background about it. Um, the 100th Psalm is um, probably a call to worship. And the idea was it would be the first song that the Jewish people would sing as they came into the temple. And it was a song that would remind them of why they were there. And so they would come into the temple courts, they would come into the gates of the temple, and they would celebrate God. And they would, it would be the first thing that happened, and they would, they would remind themselves why they had gotten together. So let's read it again. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, a couple of, I want to camp out in verses 3 and 4 today because I think it's really helpful for us in Thanksgiving and, and here in, in our day and time in our country. And so uh, verse 3, again, says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who makes us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, for the Jewish people, here's what that phrasing would have meant. It would have reminded them of their full and complete dependence on God. 
It would remind them completely how everything that they had and everything that they needed to survive and everything that they'd done throughout history, that they were fully and completely dependent on God. And so they used the terminology of sheep and talked about how we are the sheep and God is the shepherd. And that's a, that's a theme that happens all throughout Scripture. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. You go on through the Old Testament and you see that over and over again. In the New Testament, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep know me and they know my voice. And, and that analogy of God being shepherd and us being sheep is consistent throughout Scripture. And it's something that would have made perfect and total sense to the Jewish people. Because sheep and shepherding was a, was a big part of their economy. All right? Now, I was raised in, in the city. I was a city boy. Knew nothing about sheep or cattle or goats other than they were there. Uh, and, and the cattle part, I enjoyed eating. But other than that, really not much about it. Um, and then I married into my wife's family. And um, my wife's maiden name is Farmer. I've told you I married the farmer's daughter. Um, but the farmers, um, when they retired, became ranchers, not farmers. And I know that gets all confusing. But my father-in-law had cattle, sheep, and goats. Okay? I knew nothing about them when I came into the family. But I learned a lot quickly. Okay? And so goats, you don't even want to talk about. They're straight from hell. They're, they're horrible animals. And... They're just me, all right? Cattle are very gentle to humans, but other animals they won't tolerate and they'll chase after them unless they are mad cows and then they get eaten. Um, but then there's sheep. And, and again, I didn't know anything about sheep until I'd worked with my father-in-law with sheep. And, and sheep have these amazingly, amazing, fantastic characteristics to me. And first of all, sheep are really dumb. Okay, I don't know any other way to say it, but they're really dumb, right? I mean, if they're in a pasture that runs out of grass, they won't go find a new one, right? It's taught if, they, if the leader jumps off a cliff that the rest of them will go too because it just seems like a good thing to do, right? So uh, that, that's, that's, that's what they say. I, I don't know if that's true. I've never saw that. Um, but, but they are not the most intelligent creatures, I know that's kind of offensive when God talks to us about us that way, but when compared to God, it's pretty accurate, all right? Uh, but sheep are also incredibly defenseless. Not only are they defenseless, they won't fight. And so when you look at, at, at the stories of David, when he talked about how he killed the lion and the bear before he fought Goliath, that was stuff you really had to do as a shepherd. You would watch over the sheep, you would count them, you would make sure they were all there, and you would watch for predators. And it was your job to chase the predators away because the sheep had no chance. See, nowadays, they put a donkey with the sheep because for whatever re reason, coyotes are afraid of donkeys. I don't understand that, but they are, all right? And so, but back in the day, it took a human to defend the sheep because the sheep had no chance. Right? But there's another thing about the sheep that is real significant in this. is that the sheep are incredibly valuable to the owner. They have a lot of value. Right? They create wool. Then, of course, they can become food. But the sheep had a lot of value. 
And so they were worth defending, and they were worth caring for, and they were worth protecting. And so when the Jewish people would come to worship, and they talked about God being the shepherd, it was like, yeah, God is our protector and our provider. He's the one that cares for us. Because when sheep ran out of grass, the shepherd would have to lead them to a new place to eat. And, and so God would care for them and meet their needs. And so they would come to worship and they would remind themselves first and foremost that God is their protector. God is the one who meets their needs. God is the one who provides everything that they have. And so they begin worship there. Sometimes I think our relationship with God and sometimes I think our worship as individuals is hindered because we forget who it is we're worshiping. We forget how great our God is. We forget how powerful he is. We forget how much he loves us and cares for us and how much he gives us. And we forget how great he is. And sometimes worship becomes stale or our prayer times become stale or our study, scripture study times become stale because we forget who we're interacting with. The Jewish people, they would come to worship and remind each other, this is the God who cares for us like a great shepherd. And that's where worship started for them. Um, my brother-in-law works for NASA, and he's really, really smart. Um, and, and so, um, but every time I'm with him, I always talk about space with him, because that's what he knows. So I talk about how long is it gonna be till we get to Mars? And where can I buy a ticket to send people I don't like to go there? <laughs> How much is it going to cost? Oh, I can't afford it. You know, that kind of thing. But anyway, one day we were talking about space, and, and, and he just has all of these incredible insights. And so he was talking, and he said, you know, I've come to this conclusion that I'm 99% certain there's no other life forms in space, but we're the only ones. I was like, 99%, that's a lot of certainty. Why would you come to that conclusion? He said, well, we've seen a lot, and, and because of the Hubble telescope and other things, we've, we've been able to see a good portion, not anywhere close to all of the universe. And he said, there's no way we're anywhere close to doing that. He said, but if you take as much as we've seen and you extrapolate out, his word, all of the, what we've seen to the rest of the universe, it's really highly improbable there's anybody else out there. I said, okay, I accept that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but that, I'll, I'll take that in, and, and I'll believe you because I don't know. And, and he said, but you know what's really awesome about that? If that's true, which I fully believe it is, our God made all of this for us. I think about that. And then he begins to talk about the size of the universe and how big everything is. And then he goes into this, this thing about the sun, um, or the earth, as it rotates around the sun, is the exact right distance away from the sun. If it was one degree closer, we'd burn to death. One degree further, we'd freeze to death. And he said, this is the unique place where God put his people, his creation together, so that we would be the most important thing in all of the universe. That's pretty awesome. And I think when the Jewish people came to worship, they remembered who God was. They remembered that they mattered to him. 
They remembered that he, we as people were the, the center of his world, that, that he created everything for us and around us and cared for us. And so worship began there. And that's a great place to start because God has provided everything for us. Well, we go on to verse four. And this is what the psalmist writes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So, first of all, you start with this acknowledgement that God has given you everything, and then you realize that thanksgiving is an integral part of worship. Always. So they, they came together, they remembered who God was, they, they said we've got to start with thanksgiving because God has been so faithful to us, and so we must be thankful as we approach him. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish worship service. I encourage you to go, if you never have. I know that's probably weird for a Baptist pastor to say, but, but one of the things that happens when you go to a Jewish worship service, they live out the threads of their history, and they relive their story. And they talk about how God delivered them from Egypt through the Passover. And they talk about the Exodus. And they talk about story after story after story after story over the millennia on how God has been faithful and provided and cared for them. And how God has been so faithful. And so they go through this journey and they relive it and you're, you're just living out this journey with them and they are so incredibly excited because God has been faithful for so long. And they come thanking him for his deliverance through all of the difficult times that they've been through. I don't know how well you know your history, but the Jewish people have been through a lot of difficult history. But they come back together time and time and time again to remind themselves how faithful God has been throughout that history. So again, encourage you if you ever have a chance to participate that, but in that to do so. But, but the Jewish calendar is phenomenal because the Jewish calendar remembers Passover and the, the passing over the death angel. The Jewish calendar remins, remembers Purim and, and celebrates the story of Esther going to the king of Persia and delivering the people. Hanukkah is celebrated every year in remembrance of the Maccabean revolt and how the temple was rededicated and how God miraculously gave light for them. So the celebration of light in Hanukkah and, and year after year the calendar is built around look what God has done for us. Look how faithful he's been. You see, I, I think sometimes being thankful for us is hard because we tend to take things for granted. So I have a goofy video I want to show you. Maybe it'll bring some laughter to your day um, about taking things for granted. Seriously? 
So, all right. Well, is there anything you can do about that? Because we really need to do some laundry. Laura, will you please give me a more grateful heart? Honey, my car. Okay. Sometimes we forget to be thankful because we take for granted the things that God has given and been so faithful to give. And, uh, and so I, I hope that this Thanksgiving season that you will take time to be thankful to God for what he's done and for who he is and, and, and just remember, you know, it, it's interesting. We teach our kids to say thank you. Right? Someone gives them something, a present or what, and we say, what do you say? Thank you. Right? What do you say? Thank you. Why do we do that? Because we know that the person that has given them something didn't have to do it. And we want them to understand how special it is that people say thanks. And so I, I want to challenge you, and, and, and I've got to tell you, I'll just be honest, there are many times, not many times, there are some times I walk in here and thankfulness is not the first thing on my brain. Sometimes it's other stuff. Whether it's church stuff or personal stuff or whatever it is, sometimes thankfulness is not the thing that jumps off the page to me. But we're missing out on a great part of worship if we aren't thankful. So I, I want to challenge you this Thanksgiving season to stop and truly thank God for all he's given now, I'm going to look just real quickly at the last verse. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. One of the amazing things about God is that he continues to love us. Have you ever been amazed by that? Have you ever looked in the mirror and think, wow, God still loves me? And yet he continues to love me, even when I don't deserve it. What an amazing God. And so this holiday season, there are a lot of things we could focus on that are negative. There are a lot of things we could focus on that are, that are hurtful or, or difficult or whatever. But the truth is God has been incredibly good to us. And he was especially good to us when he sent his son to die for us. Pray with me. 